0: Some of you will not understand this, but sometimes in life, when the glory of God gets a hold of you in a service, you want to shout and you want to cry all at the same time. And that is how I feel right now. I'm going to be honest, I really didn't want to stop singing. Brother Cecil, I don't think I could have done a better job than you guys did today. Just my heart. I just, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel um, to know you got a church family uh, that loves people, that loves hurting people. To know that today that Jesus Christ could save somebody from eternal damnation. To know that today. <laughs> to know that both my boys have given their heart to Jesus. We had people from our church in Haiti ministering to churches around the globe. College students that drive from Nashville to come to, or Gallatin to be to church with us. The Emil family that have a special needs child that they could easily say, I'm not going to church today, and yet they come, and they sit and they listen. For God's good, say Amen. God is good. He is so good. I just I just feel the Holy Spirit ministering to me today. I got a new word for you. It's uh I don't know exactly when it came into the English language. But uh a few years ago this new word popped up and the word is glocal. G L O C-A-L, glocal. It's a newer word, and glocal, G-L-O-C-A-L, the word glocal refers to the interconnection between the local and the global. Glocal, just a combination of, of global and local. And if something is global or, uh, or glocal, uh, it's like this. Maybe you work at a factory and you work at it in Cookville, or maybe you work from home on your computer and you have your work you do in your city or in your home, and yet it's connected uh, to a business that exists all around the globe, not, not even just in the United States or uh, in the North American continent, but it's all around the globe. If you work for a company, company like that, that you have your job here, your factory is here, but it's a global company, you are involved uh, in a global work. It's both global and local. Now, glocal is different than globalism. Globalism is a philosophy, basically. And a lot of times the philosophy of, of globalism, which I do not agree with, uh, kind of says, well, it's, it's the big that matters, it's the global that matters, and let's forget about small communities, and let's forget about what local people want, and uh, let's just focus on, on globalism. Uh, I'm not really in favor of that philosophy, if that's what you mean by that word. But glocal is a reality. And this morning, although it's a newer word, it describes something that Christians have known since the very beginning, since the church was birthed, it found out very quickly, we have a glocal gospel because it's not just for us, it's for everybody all around the world. The good news of a savior from sin is a glocal gospel. It just means that Jesus impacts Everybody around the globe. And today, if you turn to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 26, we're going to see another step in how the gospel goes from just Jerusalem to Judea to last week we saw Samaria, which are basically distant cousins to the Judeans, how it went to Samaria. And this week, we're going to see how it begins to spread around the globe. How this happened, how our gospel went from just a uh, just a sect within Judaism that embraced Jesus, how it went from that overnight to a hope for the entire world. So Acts chapter eight, starting in verse twenty six. Now, remember, we've been reading about Philip, who was a deacon in the early church, and the early church began to be persecuted, especially by a guy named Paul. He's called Saul at the time. And Saul, the Bible says, wreaked havoc upon the church, and they began to scatter. And Philip was one of the leaders in the early church, a deacon in the early church, and he had to to leave, and he goes to Samaria, and he did an unbelievable ministry we saw last week in Samaria where lots and lots of people got saved, and God did lots and lots of amazing things. But then something happens. Listen to verse 26 of chapter 8 in the book of Acts. It says that the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, said, Arise, go toward the south. So he's gone north to Samaria. says, Go toward the south, the way that goes down from Jerusalem. So go back down through Jerusalem and go unto Gaza, which is the desert. Now, I could just stop right there. Uh, If I'm Philip, that might cause me a little pause because I've just had to flee Jerusalem because of persecution. I've got to Samaria, and God's doing an unbelievable work, and people are accepting or believing, and now God tells me, I've got to go back through Jerusalem? I've got to go back down that way to get to another place? God, why can't I stay on the mountaintop where I'm at? Well, God has a purpose and He has a plan. And the question is, will Philip obey? Well, look what the Word of God says. Verse 27, He arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, uh, the eunuch who had the charge of all her treasure had come to Jerusalem to worship. So he goes back down, goes out into uh, Gaza, into the desert there. And in the desert place, he finds a man that is there. And we're going to read about him. And he's a eunuch. He's one with authority uh, there uh, in Ethiopia. Maybe a recent convert to Judaism. Now We know the Jews had been scattered. The diaspora of the Jews that occurred in Old Testament times... And we know about Daniel and how Daniel and uh, his three companions, how they rose to positions of leadership uh, in the empire they were at. Well, we can imagine pretty easily that other Jews that had had to scatter to other places. uh, Was this man uh, from a Jewish family? I don't think so because of some things that are going to happen in the text. But he very well could be a convert to Judaism who has come up for one of the festivals. Whatever the case may be, uh, he's connected in some way, but he's from Ethiopia. And so he'd gone, it tells us, look at verse 27 in the end, he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. He felt led of God, go to this chariot. And so Philip, look at his obedience, Philip ran Thither of him he ran to the man and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, understand? He says, you understand? Understandest thou? You understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired, Philip, that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. So he says, I'm reading about one who was taken to be killed, but he did not raise any objection. He just willingly allowed this to happen to him. In his humiliation, verse 33 says, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered or asked Philip and said, I pray you, of whom speaks the prophet? Who's he talking about here? of himself or of some other man then philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him jesus and as they went on their way they came unto certain water and the eunuch said see here is water what does hinder me to be baptized what is stopping me from being baptized identifying that i have died to sin and risen to christ is there anything that stops this because he preached jesus unto him told him what Jesus had done. Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, say Amen. He is the one and only Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, catching this theme here, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at uh, Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea, Samaria, where Philip was last week, as we're preaching through this book of Acts, we saw him in Samaria, an area that lies to the north of Jerusalem. But now he's told by the Spirit of God to head south. And we know, what, uh, we know what's down south, right? The Gaza Strip along the Mediterranean is there. And this was a trade route, a trade route between Egypt and Ethiopia that this is going to connect to out of Israel. And he's going to get along with this and so it's a trade route to go to egypt and go to ethiopia uh, out from uh, jerusalem from judea and so he he travels apparently through jerusalem or at least close to it to get there now this just defies logic really does because logically if the lord god is doing a great work in samaria you don't just preach the word of God there and have lots of people getting saved and you're no longer under that persecution or at least it doesn't say they're persecuting and them. And later that'll come, but they're still excited about what they're being told and people are excited about being saved and logically it doesn't make sense to go to Gaza because Gaza is literally a desert place. There is relatively speaking, certainly compared to Samaria, there's nobody there. However, when Philip gets to where God wants him to be, he finds that there is one there that is waiting for him to witness to him, and it is one, although there's only one out there in the desert, he finds that this one has such authority that he will go and impact his nation for Christ. As ambassadors for Jesus, we have, again, to use that new word, we have a glocal Message, a global purpose. We both have a local work to do, but it is connected to the global purposes of God. Yes, today, I can tell you with full assurance that the Lord Jesus wants to save you, but I can say just as assuredly that He just doesn't want to save you. He wants to save people wherever they are all over this globe, all over. As ambassadors for Jesus, we have a work to do, both here and in some way somehow to support the work God is doing across the world. Again, just to use this as an example, and there's nothing, uh, well, I mean, there is something special about Julia Lee, but I'm just, uh, she's not uh, any more special in God's eye than anybody else, but just to use her as an example. So she was in Haiti this past week, and so what'd you get back, Tuesday? Tuesday. So uh, we had Bible study Wednesday night, and I I'd kind of thought, I thought, well, I don't know if Julia will be here tonight. I mean, uh, you know, she just got back in, and, and sure enough, Wednesday night she was there. Why? Why be in Haiti all week, and then why be back at Bible study on Wednesday? Because it's, it's both local and global. She's got a ministry to do uh, with, those, with those people that she's friends with, and she's in Bible study with, and being there and asking questions and thinking together and studying God's Word together on Wednesday night. That's part of her gift to the group, you know, and a gift to one another, to be there and be faithful. But she also has a heart for Haiti to go and to be a part of that. My friends, it's not one or the other. God's big enough to do both. How does this get accomplished? How is it that our gospel, as we're going to see more and more in this book of Acts, how does it spread to more and more people, three things. First, was not going to shock you. Shouldn't shock you if you've been with us, because this is the big theme that the book of Acts wants to make sure that we, in our denseness and our uh, ability, so often to ignore God, he really wants to make sure in this book that we don't miss it. The first thing we see about how the gospel spreads, we see Holy Spirit power. Repeat that after me: Holy Spirit power. Heading to Gaza would not be what I would suggest to do. It would be beneath me to tell somebody that had a great ministry, hey, give that up. Isn't the purpose of life, doesn't uh, all the marketing, all the commercials, uh, all the uh, the schools of business, don't they teach us to go from big to bigger to biggest? Philip's been preaching to huge crowds, hundreds, thousands of people in Samaria. Hey, if this keeps up, Philip could go from Samaria to the big leagues of maybe Athens in Greece or or the quote unquote eternal city itself of the Roman Empire, the great city of Rome. You don't go backwards to the desert when God is doing great things. You don't go there. There are far fewer people. There are less press in the desert except Philip does go. And God tells us this story for multiple reasons and one must we must ask is why? Why? I'm going to tell you why Philip was able to experience God the way he did, is because Philip did not worship at the idol of the next big thing. Younger people especially, listen to me. This world and the powers in this world, and a lot of it has to do with what they want you to buy and purchase, this world is driven so often by the next big thing. We are not to worship at the idol of the next big thing. We are to worship at the faithfulness of the cross to Jesus who saved us. And so I want to tell you today, there have been many, many people who because they decided to chase the next big thing saw their marriage destroyed, their family destroyed, their life destroyed because they could not be faithful to what God wanted. And they decided to worship at the idol of the next big thing, and they lost it all. Now, do not misunderstand. This is not an excuse to be small-minded. God despises small-mindedness as much as he does people that worship at the idol of the next big thing. Both those idols are wrong. What we are called to do is not not just get caught up in the next big thing or be small-minded and say, well, I don't need anything else. I just got what I need. No, what we need to do is worship at Jesus' feet. And as we faithfully do that, we do look to reach out. And we do look to spread the kingdom of God. But we don't do it by worshiping the idol, the next big thing. We do it by depending on the Holy Spirit power of God. I guarantee you that when you leave today, if you're able to go to work next week, and you're able to tell folks, listen, in our service, man, the special song and the singing and the preaching and the love of God that was in that place, when you begin to share that, trust me, that will be contagious. Because there are hurting people and there are dying people. And there are people that need Jesus. And they don't need us to just chase after the next big thing. They need us to be faithful to Him. If you get what I'm saying, say amen. Now listen to me today. Listen. God's spirit is about redeeming those who need Him. Now, God here's now this is what I, would you really catch? God is interested in a big thing. He's interested in, in, in salvation getting to this entire globe, which is much bigger than what you and I can imagine. This is where we often go wrong. Please look. You're doing great. You're listening, listen really carefully. Where we go wrong is we think I've got to chase after the next big thing, and what we don't realize is that we'll be faithful to God. He's got something way bigger than that for us to be a part of. It's not about being small-minded. It's not about not thinking outside of the box sometimes. What it is about being faithful to Jesus and let him show us what is it we should do. How is it should I act? How should I make these decisions? Listen, I, um, you know, I I came at this, this moment in my life about eight and a half years ago where I was there going to college and uh, master's degree there at Duke University, and, and and the head of the Ph.D. department in religious studies. That was who I worked for. And I had an opportunity to stay. And honestly, staying with him, there would have been a lot of opportunities to, to teach at the college level. But, but God did two things. He did two things to confirm that that's not what I needed to do. And one of the things he did was uh, that two years that I was there, my son Ethan was born... And, and working for this guy and then trying to, uh, you know, make, make straight A's and do the best I could because I'd been given this opportunity. I really didn't spend a lot of time with my family for the first year and a half of Ethan's life. I mean, I really didn't. I didn't have time because I had obligations and responsibilities. And one of the things God just just showed me, like, okay, God, what am I supposed to do next? What should I do next? And God just, I mean, I mean just very clearly, one thing you're not to do is you're not to ignore your family. And you can't keep living the way you've lived because I created the family first. First. And you are the husband. And you are the father. And I don't care what garbage they teach today. Men need to set an example. See, it's because I knew God's word that I knew that men are supposed, are supposed to lead. They are supposed to heed. They are supposed to listen to God. It's because I knew that the decision was made for me. I already knew what I was supposed to do. I'm not supposed to, to, to spend the next five years of Ph.D. studies having to be away from my son all the time. What i was supposed to do is to raise the son that God gave me. And some people would say, man, how could you? And by the way, this happened. And I could tell you a couple of people that are great people. They said, you're crazy to leave this opportunity Go to some town in Tennessee that I've never heard of. I don't know anything about this. But can I tell you something? I can sit here today and say, when you are faithful to God, He'll do bigger and better things than you could ever imagine. My friends, again, I don't want you to misunderstand. God's doing a big thing, a huge thing here. But you don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to be invited to all the cool parties. In fact, that's probably not where God's going to do His work. You don't have to be included in all the group gossip sessions at work. You don't even have to fit in with your own family. Today, God's Word reminds us that God does His work through the power of the Holy Spirit. So my friends, listen, what we need to do today is we need to also In listening to the Word of God, we also need to get caught up in the Spirit of God because when you listen to the Word of God and what it has to say, he listened to that angel and then he found himself caught up in the Spirit, caught up in being obedient to what that Word had said. As we listen to the Word today as well, we need to get caught up in what the Spirit of God is doing and what the Spirit of God has always been about is spreading the name of Jesus. So how does this gospel go from local to global? Number one, it's going to take a Holy Spirit power. And number two... It's going to take an authoritative word. There's the power of the Holy Spirit, but what is the Spirit going to lead people to proclaim? An authoritative word. Now, what does Philip do when he encounters the eunuch? What he doesn't do is he doesn't waste his words. Uh, The eunuch is confused. The eunuch does not understand. Philip has walked right in because the Holy Spirit has led him there. He's walked right into a divine appointment to clearly and authoritatively Declare the word of God. Look at verses 34 and 35 again. Look at what he does. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray you, of whom speaks the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Philip gives this one God's word and he explains that that word points to Jesus. And friends, this is what's great. You say, this can't happen today. This cannot occur today. Uh, there's no way that this this type of divine appointment could happen. Well, I'll tell you what, if you got the Holy Spirit today, say amen. All right, a couple of you I'm still not sure about, but no. We got the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, but just like it, it hadn't changed since eight and a half years ago, eight and a half years ago, the next decision I need to make was pretty clear. Sometimes it's not always as clear, but in that instance, it was clear. You know, it was clear because I had a clear word from God in the Bible of how I was supposed to raise my children. You know what? That hadn't changed. If we still got a clear word today, say amen. So we still got what Philip had. We still got the Holy Spirit, power of God. We still have a clear word from God to show us and direct us. So whether it's to large crowds or to small Bible studies, or one on one with that one you meet at a coffee shop, or in line at the store, or maybe you're in an airport waiting on an airplane, or sitting next to somebody in that airplane, and the opportunity comes up like Philip, you always, 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 always have something worth saying, and if you know Jesus, you have the power through His Holy Spirit to say it. So, how does the name of Jesus spread? Through Holy Spirit power and through an authoritative word. Now, I've never been scuba diving. I'm, I'm just curious. Has anybody in here ever been scuba diving? Nobody. Oh, what? Has Larry been? Larry's been? All right, good. All right, we got one. Brother Larry's been. All right. So uh, if, uh, you tell Larry that if this, if this is not exactly right, don't tell anybody, okay? I, I read this week about scuba diving. Now scuba diving, if you get the right equipment, you can go really, really deep into the ocean. In fact, some scuba divers, the equipment's so amazing, a lot of times they'll take them down in these these little boats that can get underwater and go really, really down, and then they'll let them out, and the equipment can withstand the pressure, and sometimes there are scuba divers that get so deep in the ocean, it's pitch dark. It's pitch dark. They can't see anything, and they're just down there like... Ooh, I, that like i've been in the I've been feeling the spirit all day that just that the thought of being trapped like that just took a little of the spirit out of me like I would not like that but they are so deep underwater, and they are down there by the way, I know that probably wasn't theologically correct, but just give the pass all right They're so deep down there, and they are so far underwater. And it is pitch black, and even the best scuba divers say that sometimes what happens when you you they can't see their hands in front of their face if they turn their little lights off they can't see anything and I read the scuba diver said, what happens when you're when you're that deep in the ocean is you begin to get confused and you begin to get disoriented, and even the best of them you begin to have the panic feeling come up within you, and so what I was what reading watching what they said, what they do is when that occurs. They always teach them with their little light to have their little light and to look up. And in that pitch darkness, they'll see one thing. And what they'll see is the little bubbles from the scuba diving thing going up towards the surface. And they say to do that, to watch the bubbles go up. And what that does is it calms them down. It helps them get oriented again. It reminds them, it's going to be okay. You can get back to the surface. You'll be all right. Because they see one thing. They see the little bubbles that are going up. And that is exactly what they need in this moment. My friends, we need to start believing what God has said. He has given you a word for wherever you are today. You're disoriented. You're confused you're unsure, what is it that I should do to be faithful to God, to be that father, to be that mother, to be that wife, to be that husband, to be that uh, worker at church, to be that witness for Christ on the job? What is it should I should do? You know what reorients us when we're disoriented by the power of sin and the attacks in our life? It's the Word of God. It reorients us and that the Holy Spirit uses to point us back to Jesus. Psalm 43.3. The psalmist wrote. Oh send out thy light. And thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them. What should the light and the truth do? Let them bring me. Where? To your holy hill. And to your tabernacles. He, the, the psalmist said. Let your light. And let your truth. Bring me to you God. So that when everything around me is falling apart. I may still get down. And worship you. And know that you are in control listen today we have the light and we have the truth and we need to let us lead us to the throne room of God Billy Graham once said the evangelistic harvest is always urgent the destiny of men and women and nations is always in the course of being decided Every generation, not just one, not just the older generation, not just the generation to come, not just this generation. Every generation is strategic, but I'm not responsible for the past generation. And there's only so much I can do for the next generation. But God will hold us, will hold me, will hold you responsible for how well we fulfill our responsibilities to this age then take the the opportunities that God has given us. Say, there's nothing I can do. My friend, if you really believe that today, that there's nothing left for God to do with you, there's nothing else you can do, you need to get in this altar again, and you need to pray and seek God, and you need to pray with others, and you need to know that if you're still breathing and still living, God still has a purpose for you here. Yeah, there's one more river to cross. But we haven't crossed it yet. And so there's a work to do in this age, at this time. How does the name of Jesus go global? How does it spread both locally in Jerusalem and then spread outward? How does this happen? It happens with Holy Spirit power. It happens with an authoritative word. And thirdly, the gospel goes glocal with a willing servant, with God's willing servant. There is the Holy Spirit power. There is the authoritative word of God in this text today with Philip and the eunuch, but there's also Philip who is the willing servant of God. Philip was used by God because he was willing to follow the Holy Spirit's direction. He was willing to go back through Jerusalem, willing to go out into the desert because he was willing to trust God. In these sermons and acts, we've already seen, and we're going to see over and over again the power of God to transform people. We've already seen. Already, just eight chapters in, preaching through this book, we have seen how the twelve disciples have gone from slow learners into willing sharers of the gospel. They've gone from disciples to apostles. We've seen already how the deacon Stephen has become the first Christian martyr. Now today, we're seeing again, as we did last week, how God is using Philip. Philip didn't originally sign up to go to Samaria. Don't ever forget that. When you start thinking that Philip is the most spiritual guy you know and you feel like, I can't identify with him, Philip did not begin the journey signing up to go to Samaria or Gaza. How did Philip's story start, the part we're told about? It was simple, remember? There was a problem in the church. People couldn't get along. They said, pick out seven. They're full of the Spirit. They're serious Christians. They said, pick us out seven to help the church function correctly, to do administrative duties and, and so we can keep preaching and teaching, the apostles said. That's all he signed up for. All he signed up was for right there in, in Jerusalem to help help smooth over some problems in that church so the apostles could keep preaching and teaching and doing what they were called to do. That's all he signed up to do. Didn't I tell you that God's got bigger plans for you than you can ever imagine? Don't ever forget that about Philip. He He's not Mr. Huge Guy. He's not Mr. Top of the Class. He's just a guy that, hey, he's not even one of the 12 apostles. He's just a guy, we got some problems. We need some spiritual men to help us with. But next thing you knew, and by the way, how did he get to those big opportunities? He got to those big opportunities because the worst possible thing from our perspective happened. They start killing people and throwing them into jail and persecuting them, and he has to run for his life. And I know most of us how we think, and I know how I would think, Lord, why are you letting this happen? Lord, why am I having to run? Didn't Jesus come to save us and give us a new life and give us his love? And here I am, Lord, on the run. How in the world did this ever happen? But here's the thing, even though he was on the run when he got to Samaria, he did what he had been called to do. He he wasn't just a Christian in Jerusalem. He was a Christian when he got to Samaria, and he was faithful, and God did something big. And then God told him to take another step, the first time persecution caused him to flee, and he stayed faithful. This time, it's not some of you, you'll be faithful in persecution. Some of you, it will be the good times that'll get you. It'll be when everything's going all right. Because the persecution, you something about you will click in and you'll hunker down and, and you'll obey. And listen, some of you, it's going to be in the good times when things are going good. You're going to stop listening to the word of the lord and you're going to say i'm just going to stay right here where it's really really good my friends good times or bad times the safest place to be is always right where god wants you to be he didn't start out some huge great guy he started out just helping in his local church once he proved he was faithful in his local church then boom he's in samaria then boom he's down in the desert and then, and then it's going to be interesting. He'll come back up again. And it's interesting what happens next in Philip's story. And that's going to be later. You're going to get to learn about this. But you say, I can't do this. My friends, you've got Holy Spirit today. And we've got an authoritative word. So the question is, are you God's willing servant? Are you willing to listen and obey God? And there are a lot of Christians in this room today. And a lot of Christians that have not been depending upon the Word of God and that have not been uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit power of God. And maybe you've been a servant, but you've not really been the willing kind. So today we get a text like this that reminds us that while your salvation is personal, Listen, your salvation is personal. It better be personal or you're not really saved. All right? somebody else can't get you saved. It's got to be personal. It may be personal, but this text reminds us your salvation is personal, but it is never private. Ever. Because when you sign up to follow Jesus, it's a personal thing but it's not private anymore. You're part of a new kingdom and a new work, and God is looking for willing servants to obey and be obedient. So that may mean that you are a senior who writes a card this week, and you give it to somebody else, say, I can't get out and do much more. You can write a card, and you can send it, and you can, and you can pray and say, I have prayed for you this week, and I'm praying in Jesus' name that he minister you. You might be able to bake a cake this week, And just tell them, man, God's, and when you give that cake or give that whatever it is you've made, say, man, God has been so good to me, and I just want to bless you the way that he has blessed me. Students, you at school this week, I guarantee if you're in school, public or private, if you go to school, doesn't matter if it's college or or elementary, or I know they're not in here, but if it's high school, junior high, there's going to be some kids that are hurting. And you can make that decision to be obedient to God's word that you're not going to be one of them that picks on them. You're not going to be one of them that makes fun of them. You are not going to do that. You're going to look for the opportunity to show the love of God. You can be this one this week when the gossip session is going on at work and you think, man, sometimes it would be nice to be accepted by the group at work. But you can trust God's word instead It says, hey, don't be a part of that gossip. Don't be a part of that work junk. You can be at work this week, husband, And that flirtation can be going on and and there can be the girl in the office doing the flirting and you can make the decision, I'm not going to be a part of that because God's given me a wife. Wife, you can be the lady at work this week when that's going on that, hey, I'm not going to do that because God has given me a husband. You can be the single person. Say, oh no, preacher, now this is way too old-fashioned. It's not old-fashioned, it's what God's Word says. You can be the single person this week. In a world that is just interested in fulfilling the flesh, you can be the one that says, I'm going to be fulfilled to the spirit, not of the flesh this week. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. But can God do the impossible? Yes, he can. Listen, I'm a human being just like you. There were a couple times this week, not because of church stuff, by the way, there's a couple things that I could feel the flesh coming up in me Rising up within me, told one of my friends yesterday, one of the boys' ball games, one of my friends growing up, and I told him, I said, man, earlier today I felt the flesh coming up, and I just said, don't do it. But you know what I know as a Christian, because I know me. It wasn't really me saying don't do it; it was the Spirit of God telling me don't do it. And some of you this week, you failed, and you faltered. And you have fallen. And what the Lord God says to you today is come and confess your sin and I will restore a fellowship with you greater than you could imagine. So maybe you've been unfaithful to your spouse. Maybe you haven't given your children the attention they need. Maybe you looked at the pornography this week. Maybe you let your mouth get a hold of you and you said things that you regret. Maybe you didn't say it, but Jesus says you thought it. And before God, you're guilty, and maybe in your mind, boy, that flesh was rising up and you didn't fight you didn't you didn't you didn't claim that word and fight it off. you let it dwell for a little while and stew for a little while. Can I tell you something today? You don't have to leave this place with any of that junk you can lay it down right now and you can let it go and you can trust that God's word is right that Jesus has saved you. He will hold you in the palm of His hand. Please, my friends, don't waste the next few minutes. Follow wherever the Holy Spirit leads. You need to come and get saved today. Come and give your heart to Jesus. There's a specific sin you need to repent of. Forget everybody else in this room because every one of them has got something they need to repent of. You come and repent of your sin. There's a brother or sister in this room that you feel like, I need to pray with them today. Listen, just tell them. Can I pray with you? Just reach over. Just say, I need to, I, I just feel like I, don't be afraid, just tell them, I need to, can I pray with you? You can pray right there at the pew if they want to, or you can come here. What, I'm just trying to say this, Philip obeyed the Spirit of God, and God did big things. If you will obey the Spirit of God, he'll do big things in your life, and he'll do big things in this church, because he's done the biggest thing. He has saved us from sin. Father God, use this time. As musicians come, Lord, use this time. Lord, you did great things, and that Holy Spirit who did it is still with us. Lord, this morning, as we sang the Word, as Nathaniel sang, and as we sang as a congregation, Father God, I could feel the Spirit preaching today as we proclaimed your Word. Lord, you honor that, and your Spirit has been with us. And now I believe that there's some husband, some father, some wife, some student, some single person, some elderly person. Lord, there's a burden that they're carrying that I really believe they need today. Lay it down because, listen, you've said, hey, my yoke is light. Lord, they need to lay down whatever it is that burdens them. Lord, I just pray, use this time and use it in Jesus' name. With your eyes.